We are live here. Hey, Natalie, how's it going over there? Hi, good. How are you? Good. I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Have you heard of her? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Today, our guest is Haley Callison. She's a good lumber buddy of ours uh, in the industry, and she has a really cool story of how she got into the industry, and her background is pretty interesting. Fun fact, she also is kind of a celebrity. She was used as a hockey body double in uh, the Mighty Ducks. They like redid the the Mighty Ducks series and she's in there because I'll let you tell, I'll let you tell them all about your, your background. So welcome Haley. Thanks for being here. And, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me to my favorite woman in the industry. No question. Um, Uh yeah. So my name's Haley Collison and I've been in lumber now for four years in a couple weeks, it'll be four years. And I am specifically in cedar sales and yeah, I, uh, I came from a bit of a unique background. I guess everyone does, but, um, I used to be in strength and conditioning and I used to be a professional ice hockey player and I was recruited by one of my client's fathers. So he saw something in me and, uh, got me the invite and kind of everything came together. And I think it's a pretty amazing time, obviously to be in this industry and probably a pretty amazing time to not be in the strength and conditioning industry, if I'm being honest. So yeah, <laughs> pretty happy where I'm at. Pretty happy where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, Wait, really, that's... really quick. Can you give me like just a couple more sentences on strength and conditioning, like exactly what you did? Yeah, absolutely. So the company I worked for, which I can name is a uh, twist conditioning and we trained adults and kids who want to be healthy to NHLers, major league baseball players, the like, Olympians, the elite of the elite. And so I was a strength coach for 14 years, but I was the general manager of a high performance training center. And we had franchises around the world. And yeah, I just got to help people see how amazing they are and what they're capable of. And it's a definitely a service industry. You just really take care of, of the people and make sure that they feel valued and heard and you give them kind of everything that you possibly can. And I feel like when people talk about making that change from strength and conditioning into lumber, it's they're like, you know, you, you made such a change. It's so different. And like, are you sure you want to get into sales? And the way I see it, I think it's, it's not like, it, they're really not that different. They're both people businesses. And I genuinely really like people. I think you both know that. So I just, yeah, I love it. I feel like I, I went from one people biz, business to another and we just happened to sell lumber while we're at it. So Good. I'm, glad, I'm glad you got into that because lately I've been thinking, you know, what business isn't a people business at the end of the day? It's like, everything's people. It's a good point. IT, but I guess that's still people. You're still helping people. <laughs> Artificial yeah. intelligence, anti-people. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, awesome. Thanks, Haley, for that introduction. And I'm sure as we talk, um, there's so many layers to who you are and what a wonderful person you are. And so happy that we are friends in the industry, but also friends outside of that and that you're here with us today to talk about a pretty interesting subject that I think comes up a lot right now, especially with how many baby boomers are retiring and there's a new generation and a new wave of people coming into our industry. And we're also trying to recruit more diversity into our industry with age and race and gender. So today, Haley actually picked the topic to talk about kind of the transfer of knowledge going on and just talking about if we have any 
personal experiences in the transfer of knowledge and our challenges within that and also some opportunities that we're finding where there's a vast amount of information out there. How do we soak it up before some of these people retire or they're just unavailable for us to gain that wisdom and knowledge from? So I'm going to go ahead and kind of pass it off to Natalie or Haley. Anything come to mind when you think about transfer of knowledge? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to start. I just, I think about, again, we talk about being a people business and it truly is. And I think we have amazing people in this, in this business and coming into the industry for myself, I'm a bit of a nerd. I like to learn. I want to learn. And I have found that if you are eager and willing to learn, people are willing to help you and they want to help you. But I've found kind of as, as the years goes on, there's not a lot of structure to it. And I'm not saying, and maybe I'd love, I'd love your opinion on this. Like, should there be structure? But I feel like we're fast approaching kind of a large exodus of older individuals in our industry that have just like, I call them like lumber legends. They just have so much amazing experience. And, and I, I want to, how do we pull that from them? And I think there's also, maybe we can talk about the challenge of the different generations and how they communicate with each other. Cause you get the baby boomers and then you have the millennials or, you know, even younger, like some that they just, they don't see things the same way and things so much has changed. So I don't know, I guess, what have you guys seen as far as that? I think what you said resonates really well with me that it's just not organized, right? Like there, it, I guess, you know, my background's accounting and I want to see a structure. I want to have a document that says, and here's how you do this. And here's this, and here's this, and here's this. And what mm-hmm. I realized, you know, I have all these handwritten notes and things here and there. And as time goes on, I'm like, oh, I have to make that structure. I'm the one that has to document that, ask the right questions. And half of the battle is asking the correct question to get into what I, I really want. So for me, I'm learning how to, you know, get that information and put it together so that I can actually access it. So we are using Teams and that's fantastic because it stores a lot of information, but it's not necessarily organized. And so I thought that was going to be a good answer for me personally, and it's not. And I don't have like a good software that I'm using. Yeah. yeah. I'm super curious to, to hear if they're like, I'd love to find out, you know, from any of your listeners, if somebody, you know, with their company is doing doing this well already, or they've seen areas that it's been successful. Cause I don't know about your guys' parents, but like my parents are accountants. They're in their seventies and they want to retire, but they don't know how to. And because they're like the information they have, they don't know how they can pass that on. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if you like, if your parents are still working or I think yours for sure is Chels, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, what I have started doing in many circumstances, not just at work, but I've actually started using voice memos on my phone. So when I was making a new product, I was at the mill every week, walking the yard Um, And I had a few people helping me with a load that I had come in and I wasn't really sure on the grade and I wasn't really sure on what my recovery would be. And I wasn't really sure on how to sort it. And I knew standing up there with them in person and seeing it visually would help me learn. But I also knew I wasn't going to retain everything they said. So I just turned on my voice memo on my iPhone and I set my phone down and I listened to it four or five times, you know, since then, when I was sitting in front of my computer, actually writing my work order instructions. And that for me was a way to re-solidify what I was learning and the transfer of that knowledge. And I think there's a lot of different hacks that we can do with the knowledge that we're learning. But I also think it's really important to be really intentional because I think there's too much information and there's going to be information overload. We can't know everything, but 
if we're clearly defined in our, what we want to be doing and what our goals are, and we're finding people that align with that, then you can start to be really zoned in and focused on what information you need to glean from these specific people. And each person might be a different role. You know, one might be a manager role and you can take, glean the information from them because you look up at them as a manager and their management style. Then there's a person that's really good at production management or manufacturing management. And you want to learn all you can from them. And then there's a person that's really good, you know, in the finance department and you want to learn all, how to read your PL statement. So I think that there's a way, if you can be really intentional about it, it won't be so overwhelming. Obviously, it'd be nice to know everything from everybody because there's hundreds of years of knowledge in our industry currently. But I think the probably the most personal way that I could do it is to be really a little bit more focused and intentional about what information I need and want. Some of it, let's just be honest, things change so often and things have changed a lot since these people have started in the industry. Some of it might just be irrelevant anymore, right? It's good to know the history, but another cool thing my company did was they wrote a book about the first hundred years of our business, which that's invaluable information that there's the transfer of knowledge right there. And there's other lumber companies that have put out books. And so if we look in history, we learn from that. That's another way to learn. But I don't know. I, I feel like there's so many, <laughs> there's so many avenues to take with this uh, and we're not going to capture all of it. I liked your point about, you know, being intentional and knowing who you want to get what information from. And the thing though, with that is you have to have the experience, right? Like Haley said, she loves to learn. She's not going to walk in day one and be like, all right, I'm going to get this from you, this from you, this from you. And so I think to build on your point, Chelsea, is that you need to have those constant check-ins like, you know, okay, I've been here for one year, two year, three year. Let's refocus my plan. Who do I need to learn from? Because day one, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, we still don't know. Exactly. Right. And you can get so caught up in there being so much information being in this industry right at the beginning, you get thrown everything and then you throw everything back and you see what fits what, you know, (laughs) and Haley, I'm sure you and I can relate in that way where it's like, well, I have these products. Can't you use them? And then it's like, well, <laughs> not, not necessarily. <laughs> and then you find yeah. something that fits, but you don't know that. We didn't know. And, you know, it took some trial and error for us to figure out even in that way, how we could work together and do business together. Oh, big time. And I think about when I, again, back to when I started, I, we have a really great training program. Like each month has different modules and, you know, lumber math, lumber language, and, you know, all these processes and, to be honest, I'd never started a new job because I was with Twist for 14 years and I was with the Canucks for Kids Foundation, still with them. Like I'd never been that person that was more work for the people I work with than I'm adding value. Like that, I don't remember that being a situation. So I had a, I would say that was my number one struggle entering the industry was like, I want to learn faster. And what if I just try harder? But you really can't, I find in this industry, you like you sincerely just, you have to be there. Mm-hmm. You have to see the different markets, the ups, the downs. How does Trader X deal with the shitty situation? How does Trader Y deal with the situation? You know, if there's a claim, like it's it's all those things that I feel like in the beginning you're like, but if I just work really hard, can I just not get it? But you just can't. You have to experience it and and have that time around it. And um, I found for me, once I accepted that, I was like, okay, they don't expect me to know everything yet. But that was more pressure I put on myself. I found. Yeah, I think that's a really great point that you do have to give yourself grace in the learning period. I still get really worked up sometimes. And then I realize I've been in sales for three years. 
So I'm not an expert, <laughs> but I've been at the company for 14. So I feel like, you know, and, and it's like, Chels, just be patient in the process. That's where you learn the lessons and those mistakes that we make. Uh, they're hard sometimes and they cost a lot of money, <laughs> not only for us, but for our company. And then that's how you learn. There's no way to learn and have that fear of God other than going through it. <laughs> you never forget those experiences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. What was one lesson that, let's say, Natalie, is there a lesson that you learned that you, like, when you made a mistake or you made a, a decision that you realized later was maybe not the right decision? You don't get into too many details, but just... I uh, mean, I have one of those every day. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Um, <laughs> Something, this isn't specific, it's a little bit more high level, but something I am learning, especially recently is I, I'm quick to make a decision. Like I hear something and I'm like, oh, that's, that's stupid. I don't agree with that. And then I'm learning to keep my mouth shut and make sure that I hear all the sides because I'm realizing it's a much better to take a position once you, you know, you know what's going on. You hear all sides of the story as opposed to one side. Like I'm always going to agree with the one person I'm talking to because that make they're telling me a story that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Until you hear all the sides. And so something I'm working on because I'm not good at it, but is just keeping my mouth shut and trying to listen more, which kind of plays into this knowledge transfer. You know, the more I'm advancing in my career, the more I'm learning and the more I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> That's a good point. What about you, Charles? <laughs> I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> How much time we got, hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think that, I mean, I guess recently for me, it's been trusting the process and letting myself, I've taken more risk lately with, you know, buying more inventory for the company that basically sits on my name and I have to sell it. And I've taken a position and I don't really know. It's, I don't know if I can sell it. You know, I have faith in this market. You can sell just about anything, but I started my career during the recession. So I always have that in the back of my head, but I also remembered, you know, how, how did all these other traders get to where they are without taking a risk? If you have no skin in the game, how are you ever going to win? And how are you ever going to learn another big lesson? And that's the other thing I thought, you know, if this completely fails and I fall on my face, which I could, I still have, you know, all that 12 by 12 in my inventory. (laughs) Goddamn 12 by 12. (laughs) (laughs) I need to help better. It's like, okay, I definitely learned a lesson on that 12 by 12. I was really cocky when I bought it. I thought I could sell all of it. And (laughs) I mean, I'm chipping away at it and I'm, losing some money from here and there, but that's how you learn the lesson. You, you have to do your homework in this market. You have to know the market. You have to know what sizes are moving. And also sometimes you have to help your vendors out and say, I'm taking this off your hands and I'll figure it out. And so I think for me, like the lessons I've been learning is just to take more risks and, but make a very intentional risk. Don't go into it blindly. Like you're gambling saying, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw the dice and see what happens. It's like, I know what this market's doing. I know the products that are being bought. I know this is a risk, but I know it has a great reward and everybody benefits from it. That's one thing. And then I guess one thing that the both of you have really helped me with is um, being more confident. You you learn this from the lumber legends, right? They're confident. They shake a hand for a big contract. You know, there's no paperwork involved and they know it's going to work out. And I'm such a, analytical thinker of like, 
well, how is this going to work? And what are we going to do? And what, and it's like, just be confident, you know, the process, you know what you know, and you can, you can definitely sell this or you can definitely make this work or make this happen. So I think I've just learned lately to just stop overthinking everything and just go for it. Yeah. Chaz Blakely, my uh, alter ego. I love that. I was going to say, I have a friend who has an alter ego. I think that's amazing though. It, that's that point alone is huge. Um, I think it was interesting, Natalie, when you first saying you'll make a decision really quickly, I was like, Oh, that's great. That's what I'm trying to do now too. And then you're like, hey, you're learning not to. I was like, Oh shoot. But it is something I, I find confidence such a wild thing because I think, you know, in the beginning, you don't want to show or say you don't know something because you think you're going to look like an idiot, but it's like, you almost have to get to a point where you're confident to say, you know what? Sorry. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Can you say that again? Like, or explain that to me again. Or I know we talked about this, you know, three months ago, but I haven't seen the situation again. I apologize, but can we just go through this one more time? And I feel like that's been a really good learning point. And I'm, I work with some of our rookies on our trading floor and I try and support them as best I can. And something that we're trying to teach them is that you don't need to have the answers yourself. And like, we have a team for a reason. And, you know, I remember one mistake I made, I, it was like the first time I've ever shipped something per piece pricing. And it's not that difficult. It's simple math, but I just, I worked it up and then I worked it backwards and I made a mistake somewhere along the way. And it was like, I was totally off. And it was like, I think my first couple months trading and but I didn't want to tell anyone that I had made this mistake. And I was like, Oh, it's going to cost me. And I'm like, I'll just tell the company I'll take the hit, like me personally, because I didn't, I felt like an idiot. And, and also on that note, I like, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to call the guy and tell him I fucked up. And this is what happened. And it was like, I've had situations like, you know, a couple of those happen again and you just tell them and you're transparent. This is what the situation or the market's changed. And it is what it is. And I find, I don't know, more often than not, people are quite empathetic when you're transparent and you're honest. And it's been something that it like, it's like this time it takes, you're like overconfident until you're confident. And then you can actually be confident and say, you know what? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to yeah. guess on this. So help me out here sort of thing. So anyhow, I just, I, yeah. I feel like that's a really interesting point these days. I agree. I know you guys can't see this, but Haley just made a really great graph with her hands. I feel like you should publish that. <laughs> Go viral. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, got it. And I, I think at the end of the day too, something, and this is so important with, along with the topic of transfer of knowledge is that, you know, having people, this has been, this word has been so on my mind so much recently, but it's just visibility and having people who are visible in the industry that are like you or from a like background that you can relate to and say, I see that person in that position. That means I can do that. And that's really exciting. And for me, um, just like eight years ago, I guess the association NALA that we're part of, there was a female on one of the bulletins. And I remember thinking there's another chick in the lumber industry that like looks like she's close to my age and she's, you know, has this article and she's excited about being in this industry. And it gave me that hope of saying, well, I think I could see myself here too, you know? And, and then that person has ended up being a mentor, not only to me, but to many females in the industry. And she also just recently more taught a lesson about just being yourself and stop trying to be Joe Blow lumber schmo. We don't all have to be the lumber dude. We could also be ourselves and we will find our people. We'll always find our people. 
and not everybody is going to be your person and that's okay. But it's hard. It's a challenge in this industry for Natalie, Haley and myself, because there isn't a lot of visibility and it's becoming more and more, you know, even changed drastically since we all got in the industry. So I think that's another lesson that I've really taken away recently from uh, Bethany Doss is she is herself and she's not trying to because she's in a position of visibility now, especially in our association, she's not trying to be something she's not. And you can tell that she's being authentic. This is who I am and the message I'm putting across. And I'm not trying to form and mold and be what this person in this role looked like before me. And that's a, that has given me some weird kind of confidence that I can just be myself now in a different way. Just, you know, I can dress up and look nice on some days and I can go to the lumberyard in jeans. And a, and a hat and sneakers and still be taken seriously. It's so true. There's, I was listening to a webinar recently and they used the line, if you can see her, you can be her. And I really like that because, you know, the, in the past, like if you see it, you can, or anyhow, I just, it just really resonated with me because it's so true. And I think it's so relevant these days. And it's mm-hmm. like, even again, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but like, <laughs> because I know everyone has their different political views, but like for me, I'm, I'm Canadian. I'll be upfront. I haven't said that on this. So I am Canadian. So politics aside, we love Canadians. See, yeah, seeing a woman be a vice president, like again, regardless of what side you were on or what you believe in, like seeing a woman as a vice president, I was in tears. Like I cannot express to you how much that incident made me think I can do anything. Like, man, if she can do that, I can do anything. And again, yes. Regardless of your political views, to me, that was a really, really, really powerful thing for me to see as a Canadian. Because it's another example of the visibility and how important it is. And you don't know that until it comes full circle and you say, okay, I realize why I never thought I could do that or be that person because there wasn't anybody that did it yet. And subconsciously, you're conditioned to believe that you can't because you've never seen it done before. So absolutely, I think that that, example right there, Haley, is going to make a lot of women believe in themselves and exactly what they can accomplish. It's going to change a lot of lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, to your point about visibility, you know, I've been in this position or at this company for seven years and the amount of similar, you know, people in my role, zero, I don't even know. (laughs) I'm, I literally am actively seeking out other CFO and controllers as much as I can. Like I'm stalking LinkedIn. I'm asking my connections. I literally went through the entire registration list of NALA last year, Traders Market, just to see if anyone on there might be in my similar role. And so it's the visibility part is so important. And so a lot of times, you know, I want to quiet myself or, you know, on social media or on our company's social media. And it's like, no, I don't think so. Because if I'm visible, maybe people will see me and maybe they'll reach out to me and then we can, you know, form some really cool, badass chick group. <laughs> Which we have on a, on a podcast here. No, Natalie, okay. it's so true. And I, I remember seeing your great successes this year and being so excited to share them and to highlight them. And I think it's, it is, it's huge. It means a lot, whether it's, you know, friends of mine that aren't in the lumber industry at all, for them to be like, oh, who, who is that? What is she doing? Who is she about? And that meant a lot. And I know I've had the conversation for sure with Chelsea and maybe with you as well, Natalie, but a goal for me this year was to be more conscious of how I 
build women up and support them. Like I, I feel like I believe that I'm a caring person and I, I do my best to do that, but there was this extra switch that I wanted to turn on this year that if some, cause I think sometimes we're competitive because there's only one seat at the table. So you want that seat at the table. So you get a little bit like, I don't know what the word is exactly, but I think that competitive more, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. A, the much nicer word than I was going to use. Yeah. So you're super competitive for that one spot, but I just think, I don't know. I tried to take a step back this year and be like, I want to be aware of that. Why do I get uncomfortable when I see somebody else advancing or getting that opportunity? Like, is it really about them or is that about me or am, like what's going on there? So my goal this year was every chance I get, and I see something great that a female colleague does or somebody else in the industry is like, highlight it, share it, spread it, like be really proud of them and and show that because it's bigger than us. And it's not, it's not just about the three of us on this call. It's about anybody else that sees that. And anyhow, I just want to share, cause I think it's, it's a common challenge. I believe that a lot of women have is we get a bit like, Oh, well, like fuck, she's doing it. Like, you know, I wanted that opportunity and it's like, Oh, you know what? Congrats. That's amazing. Like how can we all support each other to get that? Why can't there be three seats at the table instead of exactly. the one seat right. sort of thing? So exactly. Yeah. yeah and and I, I think we've been a little bit conditioned to say, Oh, well, there's only one seat. There's one seat and I have it. And it's like, no, 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 no. There can be as many seats as you can fit at this table. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And you know, um, Natalie made a big, move in the company this year and broke through some glass ceilings as far as becoming a shareholder and a board member. And it really jacked me up in the way of thinking this paves the road for so many others to selfishly for myself. Yes, because that's where I want to be headed as well, but not only for me, for anybody behind us that hadn't seen that before now they might come into our company and see whole different opportunities and we might attract whole different talent because they see the opportunity in front of them. And that can only mean good things for our company and ultimately, you know, our culture and our bottom line. So I think full circle, it's really, really cool to see. And it's cool to see how the industry is coming along. And and not only that, if we're going back to the main topic of transfer of knowledge, I think for the most part, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like most men in this industry, um, since we kind of went off and talked about what it's like being a female and not having much visibility, all the men that I have come across, and there's maybe a few sour grapes, most of them are pretty supportive and want to see that and boost women up and put them in positions and that they believe in them. And I think they're becoming more and more accepting uh, in the industry. And they're not all, you know, Men can get a bad rap too, because obviously there's a lot of movements out there and there's any, there are unequal opportunities and there's unequal pay still happening. It's a real thing. Um, but I do think that more than ever, I see support of men in our industry, um, hopefully making the right changes and giving the opportunities that they never have before because they know they can't hold us down anymore. We are Chaz Blakely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're so right. <laughs> Do you guys agree I'm, with I'm, that or am I am I like am I off? Do you think that they're mostly supportive men or I mean we're not naming our own companies here so I feel like we can talk freely about anybody. <laughs> I, I do feel like for uh, the majority absolutely are very supportive. I think that for some it's a matter of and I I think we as women have to be whether we should or, I don't think we should have to be but I believe we have to be conscious about how we communicate sometimes with men in different roles, whether 
we're reporting to them or they're reporting to us because I think at times it can land differently than if it was just a guy talking to a guy. So I find often Mm -hmm. I think about what I say and how I'm going to say it because I want it to land the right way versus a way that I think at times it can be taken. So um, I think they're amazing. I think it's just getting more experience working. And I've said this again, I've said this before, but like, I feel like I work with incredible guys who are so supportive. And then at times it's a matter of like, how do I build her up, but also protect her from the few that aren't great humans in our industry. Um, And I think that's a bit of a battle, but they've never, or not never, but rarely had to deal with a situation like that for women in sales or, you know, women on the board. It's like, I want to, yeah, I want to build them up, but I also want to make sure they are safe. And it's, that could be a whole other podcast, but yeah, no, I, I know I'm like, Oh, we, we got a whole nother half hour to talk about <laughs> this. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I do think holding accountability when situations arise as well is so important to make a change because there are a lot of situations that come up just because of, you know, beliefs that have been ingrained for so long that men already have, and they don't even know, you know, like the awakening of like, Oh yeah, I guess we have never put a woman in this position. And I guess that we always thought this way and the actual, when that starts clicking and holding that uh, situation accountable, you know, and having that conversation, even though it's hard and uncomfortable, it only helps move us forward. Always worth the hard conversation, even, even when you don't want to do it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) All right, guys. um, Oh, we got questions. Go ahead. It's yeah. It's time for our rapid fire. You Uh You ready, Haley? It's for me, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) They're really easy. I promise. Okay. Okay. What's the last book you read? Last book, uh, Ruthless Consistency. Was it good? Was it good? Yeah. By Michael Canick. Yeah. Great book. Yeah. Really, really great. What's the most recent thing you learned within the industry? That's really good. It's supposed to be rapid fire, isn't it? Um, Is actually just a, how to support rookies and our trader trainees. I'd say, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's kind of like a, a, from a different angle, I guess. So yeah. Perfect. Describe the lumber industry in one word. Fascinating. What's your favorite thing about the industry? People. Oh, that's good. Okay. That was my last one. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. You are such a badass and such an inspiration and I feel very lucky to have you here. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you both. Hundred so percent agree. And we will, we will be having you reoccurring for different themes. So look forward to having you back. And thanks for your energy. Love we love you. Love you too. Thank you guys.